Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good evening, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies, commodities, top performers with the was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, allow me, as always, to introduce my investment panel, resident experts on the market. To my left, the ever-present Mr. Buy the Dip Dan, or sometimes as we call him, How High Can It Go Howie? This is Dan Howie. Happy Welcome, to be sir. here. How are you? How are you? Very and well. of course, is there a doctor in the house? Our doctor of mathematics himself, the ever-genius Dr. Adam Sedakowski, back as always. How are you, good sir? Good, thank you. And joining opposite me, the man himself, the ever-mystic, Mr. Louis Mossman. How are we doing today, gentlemen? We are all wearing blue suits. Everybody. Perfect, perfect. Now, we're doing very well today. And the a boys really in interesting blue. good week. The boys in, the in blue. Not in the police, but hey, you know, <laughs> very good. Hey, it's been an amazing week. It's been very, very yep, exciting, sure. hasn't it? We've seen a lot of very, very big movements. We've also seen some quite a lot of positivity. Uh, happening in the, I suppose, in the equity space, certainly here within Australia. We were up today, we were up yesterday. How many days up in a row have we been? Uh, consecutive days, I'm not too sure, but it's definitely the second week in a row we've staged this rebound, and so is the United States. So equity markets around the world, pretty pretty strong rebound, maybe by Europe, uh, but nonetheless, some two very strong weeks. I think we ended the week up about 1.7%, uh, and that's very similar to last week So we well. must be down only maybe less than 2% from... It's less than 1%. One. One. Yeah, less than 1%. Less than 1% yeah. Now... Putting that into a little bit of context, the US is still down over five. So we've certainly done quite well. And obviously, yeah, the, uh, an interesting fact, a, a client we've, I mentioned a lot, not directly, but he sent me a chart when Russia invaded Ukraine called by the war by and the how war. a lot of historically through wars at the onset, the fear and anxiety of that war sends markets lower. But in the remaining weeks and months, markets actually rebound. And uh, he was bang on with that chart. We have rebounded despite what's going on in the world which has contributed to a lot of volatility, but to the upside. Well, let's talk, I mean, let's obviously talk about the big elephant in the room, uh, and that is, of course, you know, what's happening over in the Ukraine and Russia at the moment. And Dr. Adam Shedekowski, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what the update on that sort of thing is, where are we looking at, and sort of how's it all going? Just a quick sort of sum, um, summation of that. Yeah, a lot of things happening. So I want to mention a couple of things. So, I mean, most of that is bad news. So Ukraine, they came out with some numbers saying how many of the civilians in Ukraine are basically hostages, that is 400,000. That's the number they came out. So very significant concerns. And Russia actually confirmed that number, but says, oh, there were just people that wanted voluntarily to move to Russia. Whether that is true, I mean, we have- So oh, hold on, let's just back that up a bit. So what they're saying is they're not hostages, they just volunteered to, to move wow. to the country that's invading us. 
Well, yeah, basically. <laughs> anyway, Perfect. so... No, on, the, got it on the nose, mate. A couple of news from US. And for example, Biden uh, was very firm suggesting that Russia should be removed from G20. And he's saying if th that's not possible, he actually wants to invite Ukraine to join in instead attending the meetings, uh, not becoming an official member at this point, but uh, being more involved. So that was something from US as well. NATO has a couple of announcements. So they had several meetings at Brussels this week. Uh, one of the things they have agreed on, uh, agreed on is to intensify help for, uh, for Ukraine in a lot of con uh, more and more serious matters. So that is something like nuclear bombing, that could be chemical weapons. So they're actively already planning how they will be helping Ukraine with that. And that has been approved on a um, and signed off uh, action on Wednesday. Um, most interesting, I think, for this week was some news also in regards to NATO or more specifically Poland. So there was actually uh, some documents that was leaked, uh, at least not intentionally, uh, were supposed to be disclosed that early. So Poland is actually kind of planning to send troops into Ukraine, and that is quite significant. Uh, so, I mean, they did say that this is just a group of people from, uh, from countries, international group. And um, so really three points to take away from there. It's uh, expected to be uh, 10,000 troops, roughly. And their mission is just they want to only enter if you, uh, Ukraine approves that they do. Second thing is that this group's mission is to help people, civilians to escape and help with food and medications. Thirdly, uh, there is a part that is kind of like it's one of the possible scenarios, and that is there will be a no-fly zone across some of the cities, and that could be really uh, somehow a more significant step where they will be taking flights, Polish flights, into the air defending uh, those cities. So there are a lot of significant po uh, points there. And there was a reply from Russia. They were very, very cool. firm uh, were saying that, oh, we are very much against that. And there was even like uh, Russia's state TV said that Russia, uh, that Warsaw would be destroyed after two seconds. Wow. Yeah, okay. A massive week of developments. <coughs> I think that whole chemical weapons thing is the most scary uh, being talked about whether or not Russia do that. So yeah, very scary developments this week. Very good. And I mean, I suppose one of the big things, and I'm just kind of segue a little bit back into here, something a little bit more local and how I suppose this is affecting, yeah. you know, the rest of the world. I mean, I know certainly whenever you're buying packages or wherever you're buying things that need to be shipped, they're certainly taking longer and longer, not only because of COVID, but because of all these tensions around the world, everything's sort of there. But I was noticing that uh, By the Dip Dan was looking quite thin the other day. So I'm going to put it over to him and he's going to talk to us about food <laughs> shortages. Have you been short I, of food? I would take really? offense to that. I've been going back to the gym, so... You've been bulking up a little bit? Well, apparently not. Uh, yeah, and apparently well. trying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's a, a big thing. Obviously, what we've been talking about surrounding inflation and what's going on between Russia and Ukraine, the majority of our discussions up till now have been around commodities. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are seeing a lot of, I guess, increases in, in food costs now, in fertiliser costs. Uh, I guess a lot of this to do with what is exported out of Russia and Ukraine. Now, I found some interesting facts. Uh, over the last five years, the two countries combined have accounted for nearly 30% of the export of the world's wheat. 17% uh, of corn, 32% of barley, and that's a crucial part of animal feed, obviously, as well as a range of other things too. And 75% of uh, sunflower seed oil, which is obviously an important cooking uh, item as well. So we've seen the price of these all get swept up in this massive rally as well, and that's obviously being passed on to the consumer in increased inflation, which we're seeing across the globe. Now, apart from that, we're seeing a big, I guess what you would call uh, wage rally as well. A lot of people are seeing uh, the price of their costs of living go up. Uh, so a lot of people are sort of uh, requesting higher wages. Uh, so it's causing this whole onslaught of issues here. Now, on top of that, we're seeing that obviously to do with that and the heightened inflation as well, a lot of central banks are having to act to try and curb this. We're already seeing a lot already start to take action. 
Now, I think the thing here is if they are forced to take pretty aggressive policy, which a lot are starting to do at the moment, uh, to do with what's happening around the world, it increases the risk that they could miscalculate what they need to increase rates at, and that could sort of push the economy into recession. So it's having a pretty big impact. We're seeing that uh, potash is a big fertiliser coming out of Ukraine and Russia, and a lot of people are having to turn to Canada now for that. Yeah. A large portion of that is being fully cut off from Ukraine, and that's to do with um, obviously fertiliser for crops, so that's going to put the cost of uh, processing all these crops up as well. So... Lots of things all combining into one here, and I think it's causing a whole array of issues that I think at the end of the day are going to be passed on to the consumer. So yeah. not yeah. ideal, and I think as this, lo- the longer this is dragged out, the more we're going to see prices increase and stay elevated. And so all in all, probably not the best thing to be happening, yeah. but it certainly creates some uh, topical conversations. I think we're all Lots of different topical conversations. You can go down a whole range of paths. As I said, uh, lots of, I guess, uh, high wage demands as well and to do with the way inflation acts as well. So lots of different ways you can sort of you know, lots of different paths you can go down there, but yeah, it's it's causing a whole array of issues there. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, over to our viewers, yourself, as you'll no doubt be aware, if you've been watching our show for a while, every week we give you the opportunity to take a video question and email it through. We have had someone do that this week, as always, so let us go to that right now. Hi, team. Uh, what do you expect from the federal budget next Tuesday? Hmm, there we go. Okay, well, I think that's definitely a question and an answer for Mr. Louis Mossman, who loves this stuff. So give us a little bit of an overview. What do you think is going to be happening in the budget uh, meeting next week? Yeah, so the last Tuesday of March this year, which is next Tuesday, the 29th, we have the federal budget and arguably one of the most important ones we're going to see for a while. And why I think this one in particular is so interesting is because the last two were so interesting in themselves. In 2020, we, of course, had the recovery from COVID, which was very important. We had job seeker, job keeper. Last year, we were still struggling with uh, COVID-19 and lockdowns. But this year, we're really emerging from that. We're fully unlocked down. All the states are open and we've really returned to somewhat of a normality. So it'd be interesting to see how the government unwinds a lot of their spending. And we're in a pretty strong point at this uh, position at this point as well. 4% unemployment, strong economic growth. And this position is meant to bring an extra $30 billion. But you're very excited about this. You were telling me actually off air that don't you have like a little budget party where you actually watch the budget and, and hear about it and listen to your friends? Back in high school, we used to do that, yeah. The budget party. So the next day you'd sit down and watch the highlights. And, and I, I still do it with my dad. I sit down and we listen to the budget on Tuesday night. Uh, it's always very interesting to see what the government has to say. And it was it was amazing. It was that stage that I realised what a cool person you really are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, first Tuesday of the month is probably my favourite day of the year, of every month. So that's wow. the that's the RBA. Uh, but look, I think this well, this one's going to be no exception. Um, I, a lot of people are saying that the government's really going to struggle winding down a lot of that spending. A lot of sectors and industries becoming dependent on it. But one thing that will help is that 4% inflation. So there'll be no need for the job seeker and job keeper payments, which contributed a lot to the deficits we're going to be seeing this year. One pro, though, to come out of it is our strong commodity prices. Commodities over the last 12 months and even two years have been through the roof. Taxation-wise, that's going to really benefit the, the Australian government. However, the cons of the spending that we've done, I do like would like to bring up a chart. Uh, if we look at our, our debt to as a percentage of GDP, as you can see, over the last eight years, we've been going through the roof. Now, the most recent candlestick there is 2020 of 24.8%. There should be another candlestick next to it, but that's more than 26% now. That's a record high uh, for Australia. So I just wanted to go back maybe to the last budget and see what we did spend our money on. The biggest expense was social security and welfare, $227 billion. Second biggest was healthcare, 93.8. And the third was actually COVID-19 response, which was 82.5. So they don't million. classify that as healthcare. 
I think a lot of that was to do with the job seeker, job oh, keeper, I understand. government okay. grants, I understand. I understand. all the rest. Healthcare would went up significantly as well because of uh, COVID nineteen. But this year they're expecting that eighty three billion from COVID to completely disappear. So, what's going to be on a lot of people's mind is spending for nurses, midwives, and doctors who haven't seen a lot of wage increases despite the hard work that they've been doing. Uh, we had the finance minister come out. He quoted that we are very cognizant of the global inflationary pressures, particularly the pressures on oil prices that have flowed through to petrol pumps. So what they're saying is, because we've got the May election coming up, the federal election is we're going to really bribe the Australian people. We're going to cut taxes in a few areas, one of which they're looking to take away excise taxes on oil to keep that petrol price down. We know it's above $2, which is no good. And one, I think it was about a fortnight ago, they're looking to take 30 cents off each schooner that we buy at the pub. Oh, a little bit of alcohol Music's tax. Music's my ears. Music's my ears. I mean, perfect. I mean, if there's any way to bribe me, that's the way to that's do it. That's the way. Um, and of course, as I said, we've got the May election coming up. Hugely important election. Guess we know who you're voting for then. Of all, depends. <laughs> I mean, if Labor can offer something better than, you know. 50 cents a schooner. <laughs> yeah, 50, 50 cents. It's going to be a bidding war. Dollar a schooner. We'll get free schooners. <laughs> but yeah, very important. And it's going to have a big implications for uh, how the Australian people receive Scott Morrison, who's already down on the polls. So that's your, um, yeah. Budget wrap. Next week, we'll be digging through what they actually did. Cannot wait. Thank you very much, Miss DeMossman. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, give us a call, 1300 854 151. Now, everyone that does do this will receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing and Dimmicks for $39.95. In the meantime, we're going to take a look at your currency and commodity overview. Now, this is all things that shine, sparkle, fold and make the world go round. We're going to go straight back to Mr. Louis Mossman. Have a quick chat to us about gold because that has been on a very, very shining light towards the north. Certainly been doing doing pretty well, yeah? Yeah, I mean, gold is... Really found a lot of support. We saw it pull back uh, pretty hard in the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, it's found some good support today. Overnight, it was actually up 0.7%. And we've seen a lot of our domestic gold players do really well off the back of that. Newcrest, Northern Star, Evolution, the big players have been held up quite well. Uh, but also some smaller players included. We've got West African Resources receiving a good bump. Uh, as well, Red 5 or Red, Red 25, Red, Red 5, 5 Limited. Five. And a new addition to the... Um, uh, the ASX 300 this week, uh, FFX Firefinch. So a lot of domestic gold players are doing well off the back of that. Adam, did you have anything to add for gold? Well, I would just say it continues to be relatively strong as inflation is continuing going up. So at yeah. least that's additional thing to think about. Yeah, I think one of the things on people's mind is the liquidity around different commodity markets. So gold has been quite liquid at the moment. Mm -hmm. but something we look to illiquidity, we look to oil. And oil liquidity has actually dropped off Ironic, a lot. because it's quite... All right. Because yeah, it's joke. liquid. <laughs> it's a like sparkle your fold. jokes don't get any yep. better. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I won't get into it. Yeah, <laughs> um, we've actually seen, because of the intense volatility uh, in oil markets at the moment, we've actually seen traders cut off their um, open interest on oil futures. So this is just open contracts. They've fallen back to record lows because they don't want to jump into that market. It's too volatile. Right now we see crude oil about $111 per tonne. It looks to say that we've got all the investment banks pretty much confirming it's going to remain above 100 for the near term. Morgan Stanley came out this week saying Brent at $120 average um, over 2022. And I think portfolio managers around the world are doing that exact thing. Staying away from energy for because it, it's too volatile, unless you can get into good individual businesses, they're going to benefit over it for the medium Well, I was term. talking about it in the investment committee this morning, and obviously we've ridden that commodity cycle. We've ridden the energy one with a lot of our clients mm. have done very, very well. And I did say to everyone and think, I don't want to get too cute with this. I think you can run the risk of getting too cute and trying to just get 
too much out and jump in and jump out and, and try and time it too much. Sometimes it's just good to just let it sit. You know, there's a time to go long, there's a time to go short, and there's a time to wait, as they say. Exactly right. But let's go over to someone who likes to buy the dip, but sometimes he likes to buy things that can go really high. This is how high can it go, Howie, or buy <coughs> the dip, Dan. Have a chat to us about iron ore. Is it dipping? Is it going up high? What are we looking at at the moment? Yeah, so iron ore's had a pretty flat week. This was something we more discussed at the end of last year. You can had a very, very strong rally. I might actually just quickly pull up the chart here. You can see there from about November had a very, very strong rally. I've, after got, my eye, I've got my eye on that, yeah. Yeah, so looking very good. You can see this week they've flattened right out. Uh, we've seen, I guess, a lot of different things to price in in the iron ore market. Uh, the main thing being China's COVID-19 19 outbreak. That's intensified quite a bit. Lots of cities in lockdown. Uh, that's pretty strong. Now they like to lock down hard, eh? There is no very, sort of gentle lockdown here. Oh, guys, wear a mask. It's like, you know, yeah. everything. Go home. Very, very hard lockdown now. Their key steelmaking hub. Uh, Tang Shan City is in, in lockdown as well, which is a big thing to do with their steel output and demand. Uh, but I think the positive thing surrounding that is that the fact that they are so strict on it, they think they can go all out straight away and really eradicate the spread quite quickly and get back to putting economic growth first. And that's why we have seen iron ore pull back. But I think the market actually quite, quite likes the fact that they're doing that because, you know, we have seen it, I think, sort of, I guess, put a bit of a pause on its upward trend there. But if they can really start to cut this, I guess, spread of COVID-19 quite quickly... I think the outlook for iron ore is quite good. And as um, Louis said, we, see, we saw Morgan Stanley come out overnight and upgrade a whole range of commodities. They're quite bullish on the outlook for a whole lot of commodities. Uh, everything across the board was upgraded. I think the, the standout was the price of lithium. They upgraded about 225%. Wow. But they upgraded their, still upgraded their price of iron ore through 2022, another 9% to average 155 So. Still what are we some, now, 115 uh, just below, We're just below 150 We're just okay. below 150 at the moment, so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's had a bit of a pause, but I think, um, you know, China demand is obviously a big thing we talk about with iron ore. Um, and I think in the short term, it's pulled back quite a bit to do with this lockdown. Uh, but I think the, the actual outlook for iron ore is quite positive. I think the market likes the fact that they're really trying to eradicate this, this spread of COVID-19 and really start to put economic growth at their forefront. All right. Well, speaking of volatility, and I like this little segue that we've got here, let's go over to another commodity that has been exceptionally, exceptionally volatile, and that is nickel. And I'll get Dr. Adam Shedakovsky. I know that you've been keeping you know, a very, very close eye on what's happening with nickel. You're catching it right in the nick of time. Uh, give us a little bit of an update on how that's sort of going. Well, you are spot on. I mean, if you love volatility, that nickel, that I is the player for the week. I see what he did there, guys, the spot price. It's like, oh, the spot. As he said, I'm spot on. All right, all right, forget it. That's <laughs> You're too, reading so, too much into I'm this. I'm reading too much into this? No, okay, sorry. All good. I'll, anyway, I'll, let, I'll let you talk. Volatility, that is the week we have seen. Very, very crazy. So if you actually look broadly for this week, the price of nickel went up by 100 uh, so from about 37,000 to 37,200. But during that time, first it dropped more than 30% and then it rose more than 30%. So what is happening basically is last week and the previous week, what has been happening, there was a short squeeze. So the price went up above 100,000. And then there was a regulation put in place, how much it can go up and down. So it, the, the trading started at 48,000 and it has been steadily going down, going down, going down. And... So that was basically last week. And this week, it also started going down. So on two, uh, Monday and Tuesday, it went down roughly 50% each day. And then Wednesday and Thursday, plus 50%. So what you're, what you're saying is that the price of nickel hasn't really changed throughout the week, but it did go up massively. Like, More than you know, 30%. Over, over 30%. <laughs> and it's also come back down to that level all in the space of a week. Yeah, yeah. So it went down and went up. So like a really, really impressive V-shape if you are into that. <laughs> so... There are a couple of things uh, that are looking forward. I want to just discuss uh, uh, a couple of 
points. So first of all, we could still potentially sh uh, see a short squeeze because there are more short positions. So basically, uh, that means that there are contracts where traders need to buy nickel. Those are still in place. They are much, uh, much in the, in the opposite, much more prevalent as opposed to the other ones we have, so if you look at the total. So that's one thing to remember. That could potentially put the price up. The on the opposite end, we have the concerns with China, at least short term. We don't, uh, there is some uncertainty uh, what will be happening there. And that is, so as a third point, that is very, very explicit actually seen at the moment because there are a lot of traders actually pulling out of the trading altogether. If you look at how many, uh, like the trading volumes both on, on the LME and the Shanghai, they have been going down actually uh, recently. Uh, people don't really want to doing that trading. And another reason is, of course, there are also these artificial limits, like on, on some day the price goes down by 50% and then it just stays there. Mm, I mean, mm, so how much do you trade back and forth with a constant price, right? So a lot, of, a lot of really, really weird issues, I could say. But technically speaking, we're seeing a lot of volatility and the traders, they don't really want to participate too much in that. I'm not surprised. I don't think I'd want to participate in that much either. <laughs> yeah, cool, fair, cool. Well, let's go over to a last one here just before we move on to our next section now. And I think something that we always like to just sort of brush over a little bit, but let's dig into a little bit here today, and that is cryptocurrency staging mm. a bit of a comeback. Starting to see, I think, Bitcoin's trading at 44,000 US. That's as high as it's been in a while. We're seeing yeah. Ethereum back above 3,000. What are we seeing here in that Well, space? if I can, I'll just bring up a chart of Bitcoin. And for those who are just listening to the show, uh, you can see it's really trying to stage a, a third and final breakout of, of this about 44, 45,000 level. And it's hit that a few times in the last three, four months and struggled to break out. But we have seen this narrowing wedge really develop and it's threatening to break out at this point. Uh, not a lot happening in cryptocurrency markets in general. And we're talking about major news. I do know the Bank of England this week launched a, a review into stability of and ANZ Lynch launched their first stable coin. Exactly right. So ANZ launched their first stable coin. I suppose that is big news. Um, <laughs> but the Bank of England have said, yeah, we're going to regulate it and make sure it doesn't contribute to financial instability. Mm -hmm. um, but Bitcoin rose on that announcement. Bitcoin rose on the ANZ announcement. Not that that would be too market moving. But markets are still looking very strong. And I've been saying it for the last week, the last three weeks, the longer we stay at this level, the stronger level of support it comes. Yeah. Uh, and people will accumulate. The whales aren't going anywhere. Um, so really, I don't see anywhere else going but north of 50 right now. Very good. Thank you very much, gentlemen. So that's commodities and currencies and the events that have shaped them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? one 800 Our phone lines are now open. But for now, let's take a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were. We're going to go over to Louis Mossman. You've got your chart, your amazing chart. Let's have a look at that. It's going to show us which sectors have done well, which has not done so well this week. And I'm hoping to see quite a bit of positivity. Wonderful. Well, I'll bring it up straight away there. Uh, and we see the best uh, performer of the week was, of course, materials. We volatility in commodities, but commodities did do quite well this week. Top performers, we had Fortescue Metals up over 2%. BHP kicking the, kicking the lights out with over 7 Whitehaven Coal more than 12 And Newcrest Mining almost 4%. The second best performer, in fact, was real estate. A lot of people do talk about real estate as a hedge against inflation, and they've been tracking quite well. Real estate was up 09 2%.
Goodman Group was up almost one. Dexas Industrial REIT, 1.7, and Centre Group, 1.6. Now, when we go to company news, I want to talk about the ASX rebalancing this week. Oh, it was massive. Um, it was a big huge, rebalancing. Huge. A lot of companies coming in and out of the ASX 20, 50, 100, 200, 300, and all lords. But I'll talk about the 300. That's predominantly what we focus so on. So for, for, for cl- for maybe for people that don't know, explain to us what a rebalancing actually is. For people that might not be so aware of, of what it is. Yeah, of course. So in the, AS, uh, uh, the ASX uh, creates a certain amount of indices or indexes of different businesses. And as I mentioned there, there's the ASX 20, 50, 100, 200, and 300. And they're the top stocks, like arguably. Yeah. The top stocks in that number of stocks in the ASX, right? And they make that list and they publish it to the people. And that that, that isn't purely on market capitalization. whole bunch of things, you know, financial stability, tenure in the market, tenure, yep. market capitalization, and it's... Price appreciation. Price appreciation and performance as well. Uh, but when we look to the 300, which is the index we look at, because it has a, a, quite a large scope of businesses, a lot of interesting moves in and out. So talk about outs first. We had Electro Optic Systems, EOS. Yep. They're in machine gun mounts. They've now, had that, a, now that we're at war, they've kicked that out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they've had a horrid 12 months. They've just consistently been downtrending. We also had uh, MGX, an iron ore producer, Marley Spoon, a food delivery company, uh, and that chart is just an absolute death slide. And another death slide is Sezzle, ticker code SZL. They're a buy now, pay later player. And we so look those at com- have been kicked out of the ASX 300 and gone into the All Lords, is that Correct. right? Correct. And we look at the ins for the ASX 300. Really interesting one. Uh, it's still struggle to figure out exactly what they do, but it's CXL. Uh, they produce new materials and processes targeted at solving global challenges in water and waste management treatment, sustainable food production, and CO2 mitigation. A very interesting stock that's done extremely well over the last 12 months. We put an intense focus on it here at COSEC. It's the new company that we're covering and looking at it very closely. Another one we're also looking at is a golden lithium producer, FFX. We have Sayano Mining, also in lithium, Sira Resources in graphite, and CXO in lithium. So there's some core ins lithium. and outs. That's the core lithium. Core lithium. It? And again, those companies that have come in, I mean, they've all been doing really well over the last 12 months. Well, it's interesting you say that because for an astute investor, I know looking at when we have these rebalancing is an, as an absolutely fantastic way to judge what a business is going to do. Because if you go from the All Lords to the ASX 300, there are certain funds out there that will have to buy you as part of their mandate. And Correct. vice versa, if you get kicked out, there's going to be certain funds that actually have to sell you because you're no longer in there. Not instantly, obviously, but for the longer-term approach, which is something we might look at, it's a good indication of what could go. Because for the next step for some of these businesses is go to the ASX 200, 100, and that's sort of A2 yeah. milk story, I suppose. I mean, I, I, we can't put any sort of guarantee out there that they're going to do well after mm-hmm. the rebalancing. I've never worked at a managed fund or an ETF a company that issues ETFs, mm-hmm. but you do see that quite often that these businesses once added, it's also that fund manager side of things, but also people open up their screens and they say, oh, this is a new company in the ASX round. What does Never this do? It before. It's interesting. Let's buy it. And it gets a bit of variety. So a bit of psychological as well as technical uh, in terms of price appreciation. Yeah, that's the ASX 300 this week. Uh, as I said, up 1.7%. Very good. All right, let's go over to Dr. Adam Shedekowski. Give us a little bit of a spiel on your thought. Where are you seeing value in the market at the moment? Which sort of sectors are you looking at at the moment? Well, I still think uh, tech, tech, or tech sector is a, a good play. Uh, we have seen very good movements there, both in US and I think that w- there is sentiment is shifting uh, as well in that direction in, for many companies. Uh, but it's very mixed. Sometimes you have to be careful which companies you pick. So uh, I, I was looking at another company where it went in the very opposite direction. So that is Austin Limited. 
uh, th that company, there was a basically announcement, there is a somehow negative announcement, it dropped 11% in one day. So basically what's happened is they, were they had a deal with the government in regards to production of some ships, and uh, they, they, those ships were to be delivered to various countries. And really, broadly speaking, the plan was is that when the government, Australian government help uh, the other countries getting those uh, ships at a discount, then they can in turn help somehow protect Australia, you could say, like, at least be a par participant in protecting the waters around Australia. However, there was one of the countries where it turns out, um, well, they actually are not interested in those ships. So th that was one b uh, one piece of negative Ouch, news. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and another one was saying like, we, c we actually are uh, uh, in a negotiation with China uh, that they could be a part of our fleet uh, uh, contributing to our fleet as well, which is a little bit of um, even building a port mm. in their country. So imagine like they're building a port in their country and then Australia is sending ships that they could then potentially somehow have influence on as well. I mean, so a lot of issues. And when that came out, the stock dropped like uh, 10, 15%. So you have to be sometimes careful, uh, being careful what companies you pick and choose. Well, there you go then. All right, let's go over to... Uh, Mr. By the Dip Dan himself, what are you looking at this week? Are we <coughs> dipping at the moment or are we how highing it goes? What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, like Louis said, we've seen some pretty strong movements the last two weeks. I think the last 10 trading days, we've not seen more than one or two down days. It's been yeah. quite positive movements, which is really good to see. Um, we saw last week and this week a little bit of disparity between which sectors are performing well, and I think that comes along with the market volatility. But the reshuffling of the ASX, obviously, very, very interesting. Uh, but again, I'm still really liking materials. Top performer this week. Again, the big brokers coming out, upgrading their price targets for all the underlying assets there. Obviously, very, very positive. <coughs> and we've seen the, you know, the app performance there. We saw, I think, Sayona Mining, one of the companies, <coughs> excuse me, that entered the ASX 300, did about 30% this week. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's new and it's exciting, like you said, but I think that material sector is going to continue. Like, they're, they're obviously a lithium player. Morgan Stanley upgrading, the, you know, their price target for lithium 225% for 2022. Uh, pretty outstanding. We know it's been the outperformer for quite some time and we know how sharp the increases have been. Uh, but I think, yeah, it's obviously interesting to, to start to analyse these new companies. But again, we saw materials and energy bounce back quite nicely. Very good. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Well, that's enough about what they think. What we're going to do now is every week we go out into this city and we actually go out and approach other people. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had to talk about what the price of oil was doing and anticipated to do. This week, we've actually gone out and we've asked the question, what people think of electric vehicle batteries? This is Streetwalk Street Talks. We're going to go to that right now. Good evening, investors. My name is Louis from The Cosec Show, and today we're in North Sydney asking people if they actually know what's in an EV battery and if they're looking to buy an electric vehicle themselves. So the first question I have for you is, do you actually know what's in an electric vehicle battery? Uh, yeah, usually lithium-ion or like some type of that, that, I think nickel, no, cobalt, something like that. In the batteries themselves, to a limited degree, yes. Yep. It is not a normal battery, but having said that, um, we also, in using batteries, one has to be aware that it's a device controlled by us rather than otherwise, and it's not always as good as otherwise. Uh, no, I lithium. Uh, do you actually know what's an electric vehicle battery? No, I don't. Do you actually know what's in an electric vehicle battery? No. No idea at all? Do you know what the main component is? I'm going to assume some metal, and that's about it. Pretty close. It's actually lithium. Um, now, would you know who the biggest producer of lithium is? 
North Sydney. <laughs> it is Australia, very close. Uh, and my follow-up is, would you be interested in yourself in getting an electric vehicle at some point, and why? I feel like I'd be open to it. Um, I think there's a bit of a way to go, but I definitely think it's the way that things are kind of trending, especially yeah. at the moment. Uh, are you interested in buying an electric vehicle at all yourself? At some point, but they're just slightly too expensive at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Tesla, buying one of them. Oh, even like you know, other country, uh, like other companies like you know, Nissan and all that, they're all starting to put their own in. But Tesla's obviously the big one. No uh, reason for that? Because I tend to drive out in the bush. Okay, fair enough. Maybe not the best vehicle for out there. Yes, yes we would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and why is that? Well, mainly because of the uh, the fuel and uh, what it does to you know be good for the atmosphere and so forth, yes. Yeah, I actually have been looking at the prospect of getting one. Uh, the only problem I'm finding at the moment is that entry level is a lot more than its counterpart. Yeah, of course. And you'd be looking for a Tesla or maybe waiting for someone else to bring something no, out? To be honest, I probably would be looking for like something of a Tesla just because its technology is more refined. So the longevity of the vehicle is better. Um, but yeah, like I said before, it's a bit dearer than the rest. For sure. And look, my last question for the day is, uh, New South Wales recently proposed a law that increases tax on electric vehicles for every kilometre they put on the road. Do you think that's a wise thing to do at all, or maybe not? No, I think that we should stick clear of increasing any taxes, just for the fact of, like, it's benefiting the environment to increase the amount of these vehicles on the road. Oh, 100% discourages, but it's going to do what they want it to do, which is support the coal industry, so... Um, it is a necessary law to make. They're not getting the tax from the petrol cars, so... No, 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 that is right. I mean, the situation is, if you're going to use the road, somebody's got to pay for the road, and sorry, my taxes I'd prefer to keep myself. I guess it makes sense, because it's like, you know, petrol's also charged, but I don't know, I feel like this, there maybe should be a better way for it. So that was Streetwalk Street Talk talking all about electric vehicle batteries. Good to know what the public is thinking. Now, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe even average in? Why don't you take a video and email it to us at info at cosec.com.au or send us a text at 04229-72897. So that's 04229-72897. Eight nine seven. Tell us what the stock is. Tell us why you like it, and we're going to track it over the week. The person who tips the best performing stock at the week's end is going to receive our gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. Now, to get things started, let's take a look at what the investment panel is looking at for the week to come. This is the hot opportunity section. So ladies and gentlemen, this is why a lot of people really tune in to us. We're going to find out what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. We'll start off with Buy the Dip. Dan, what are you looking at this week and why do you like it so much for the week to come? Absolutely. So the business I'm looking at today is one of the new ones that was entered in on Monday and it is Firefinch Limited. As Louis said, the ticker code for that one is FFX. Now this is a mineral exploration company and they are diversified across gold mining and lithium exploration. Now, that story right there is pretty much exactly why I like them. We always talk about gold being a bit of a safe haven asset and then lithium, on the contrary, being very high growth. So I really like that diversification there um, and I think that, you know, long term it could be, you know, quite a prosperous company. Now, I thought I'd quickly talk about both of their flagship projects. They've got a gold mine 
uh, since they've opened it in 2000, has produced 7.5 million ounces of gold. Uh, and it's supposed to be some of the highest grade gold mines in the world. So that's quite positive. Uh, and their lithium project as well uh, is the world's largest underdeveloped deposit and has the potential to be one of the lowest cost producers as well. Now, it's supposed to have about 1.57 million tonnes of lithium contained within the project, uh, which they haven't actually started mining yet. They've gone through all the processes to start things up. They've got the approval. Uh, but I think moving forward, that's obviously pretty prosperous for the company to have that in the pipeline as well. Now, obviously being new to the ASX 300, no brokers covering this business as of yet, uh, but it'd be hard to see you know, people not putting a pretty solid price target on this business the way they've been tracking the last two years, really. And now we'll pull up a chart and have a look at them on a technical basis now. Well, that's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is only over the, you know, the last sort of eight, nine months, but they've been a heavily upward trending stock since the start of 2020. Uh, which is a very, very strong upward trend. They're consistently pushing the top donchian channel high, as you can see, the whole way throughout. And what I really like about this on a technical basis is every time they've pulled back throughout that upward trend, they've continued to push back, hit the top donchian channel, and break that resistance almost every time. Nine out of ten times, they've broken the resistance. They haven't hit it again and pulled back, and I think that's a really, really positive sign when you talk about technical analysis. Uh, obviously, as you can see there in the last about three weeks, very upward trending, hitting the top donchian constantly, well above those moving averages, uh, and the MACD and Williams Alligator indicating further upward momentum as well. So that's why I like them this so that's week. That's Firefinch, yeah? Firefinch, yes. Very, very good. Dr. Adam Shedekowski, the genius himself, what are you looking at this week and why do you like it so much for the week to come? That is Calit Limited. So take a quote. Calix Limited, yep. CXL, yes. So actually, Louis actually mentioned that. So there is um, first in the macro terms of uh, all, the entire world, the temperature is going up. So what can we do about it? We can lower the CO2 emission. How do we do that? Well, that's where the company comes in. So what they do is they f do projects, innovative projects that basically can help the uh, global emission of CO2, among other things. And it's, there, there is a lot of, they're doing a lot of things. So there, it's in waste, uh, wastewater treatment, agriculture, advanced storage of energy, and cement production as well. So I want to mention now two specific projects. You mentioned two, I will mention two as well. So one, of the, uh, one was just announcement this week. This was a project, so one of the biggest uh, producer of cement in the world. So that is, uh, so the fourth largest producer uh, in Germany. They are saying, what we want to do is want to lower emission. How do they do that? Basically, they're adding an innovative, uh, let's say, a project or a box into the, the company. And what it will do, it will take the CO2 and put it uh, and store it in a safe way. Uh, that is very, very significant. And that's just one of the announcements. Uh, and, of course, it's the Calyx Limited that will be working on that project, and they have just approved that it is financially responsible to do that, and it will be a very good project. So that was approved this week. Another project, so this wasn't this week, but a previous one, so on March 8th, that was a environmentally friendly uh, crop protection product, and that was also approved by the Australian government. So yet another step for them, and this is just all happening within one month. So just so many things where they have like successfully approval, approval. Uh, so a lot of good news happening for that company. So in terms of um, financials, uh, they are broadly very strong and improving. But what I like the most is really also the technicals. Uh, so let's have a look at the chart here. So we are looking at the price very, very um, nice moving, so well above the long-term moving averages. We're seeing a positive Williams alligator, a positive stochastics. We see a positive MACD, and we see that Donchin Channel is being 
pushed higher and higher and higher. So I think uh, both short and medium terms, there are so many pr good prospects for this company and it is going to go up even further. That'd be general advice and it doesn't take into yes. account personal circumstances, of course. All right, Mr. Louis Mosson, finish us off. You've got one minute, good sir. Tell us what you're looking at, why you like it this week and why you like it so much for the week to come. One minute only. Third time in a row, but luckily it's Nickel Mines, <laughs> a company I covered last week, so we all know why I like it based on the macro story. Nickel is doing well. It's gone up this week, even despite it being sold down early in the week. A commodity, I think, is going to stay very strong. Nickel, falling in inventory, strong demand, the long-term prospects, still great for the company, um, for the companies such as Nickel Mines. As I mentioned, to the fundamentals of the company, sales, cash flows, earnings, return on equity and revenues consistently increasing. And another one that's done very well is their payout ratio gone from 0 to 41% to 53%. Now they're paying a dividend yielding around 3%, which your dividend players, dividend people will love that. And of course, not a crazy PE ratio of 14. Brokers like it as well. Cities reinstated their price target at $1.90 per share. That's almost 50%. Audmanet also likes it almost 25% higher. And then finally, technically, a little bit of a rough week, uh, probably still around the same levels as I mentioned it last week. But to be honest, still, I think a, a great time to pick up nickel mines. Great level of support on those moving averages. Uh, and I think short, medium, long-term business, that can do very well. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, we want to wish our clients, friends and colleagues a safe and happy weekend. And we look forward to seeing you next week. My name has been Will Brownlee and this has been The Cossack Show.